God bless you this morning. It's good to see you here. It's good to be here. And uh, I didn't get much sleep last night. I went to bed. It was past midnight. I couldn't sleep. Got back up and uh, dove into God's Word. God, what would you have more for me to say? And uh, I was trying to put a pre-sermon message together. And, of course, a lot of my pre-sermons are just kind of haphazardly put together. Just some random thoughts I have. And... and, uh, and all of a sudden, it just started coming at home. And uh, so I'm not sure where we're all going to go with that because I don't premeditate a whole lot with these pre-sermon talks. It's just things that I am confronted with, some thoughts that come through me during the week. And uh, how can I apply these things to my life and the things that I'm going to learn? Okay. I checked the schedule. I'm like, somebody came to me the other week and says, well, Glenn, you haven't preached for a long time. And I said, I know that, and that's, okay. that's just fine. And uh, so <laughs> this morning I looked, and uh, it was uh, four months ago. So I asked my one child, I said, hey, I said, can you give me a prophetic word this morning? I need one. And so there were some other things that were um, written in this note, this letter. But I got this verse, this prophetic verse uh, from this child, and uh, I will read it to you, because I think it's kind of important. I thought, boy, this just fits the bell. And it reads like this, taken out of Psalm 29, verse 11. <clears throat> Excuse me. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And that's exactly what I needed. Okay, we were talking about the things that God is doing and the glory that belongs to Him. You know, what happened when we take glory to ourselves? It don't work very good. So who's going to get the glory here this morning? The pastor of the church? Does he get the glory this morning? Who gets the glory? God's going to get the glory here this morning. So I would like for you to turn with me in this purple book, the hymns of the church, to... 188, no, 189, and it is sandwiched between 188 and 190. Okay? So this word, this uh, song came to me earlier this week. Like, which verse, which song shall we sing for as a de-stress song? And so I, I was thinking about this song, so I leaned over and asked my wife this morning. I said, what song shall we sing? She said, let's sing this one. I thought, perfect. Okay. If you care to, you can rise to your feet again. And so, if we're going to give God the glory and the praise, what do we do? We act like we lost our best friend. We buried the last cat and dog we had. We buried our best friend. Where we say, God, thank you for bringing water into a well. Okay? Glory to God on high, let heaven and earth reply, praise His and may 
Turn to your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, I think. Yes. Matthew chapter, nope, chapter 25. Brother Caleb, i got a job for you. I'm not going to watch the clock, so when it gets 5 to 12, you just raise your hand, okay? And if it goes over time, we get to blame him. Won't that be great? Okay, Matthew chapter 25, the first 13 verses. Here's a little pre-sermon text for you and uh, so a few thoughts. This is not a new story. We heard this story many times, and I'm just going to read it, and then I'm going to tell you why I read this. <clears throat> then shall the kingdom of, of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And so when we read this, let's think about what is the differences between these, these groups of people and why they did what they did, okay? <clears throat> so now we have five wise, we have five foolish, and that they that were foolish took their lamps and they took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels and in their lamps, with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go you out to meet him. Then those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, No way, no, no so, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And, the, and while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they, were and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I know you not. Verse 13, I have these verse, this verse underlined. It says, Watch therefore, for you know not neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. And uh, <clears throat> now, I'm going to tell you, those that were at the singing, how many of you were at the singing Sunday night at... Uh, at uh, Faith Bible. Okay, just a few. So last Sunday, <clears throat> a week ago, um, me and my wife, family, we went out to Alford Cemetery. So this is nothing due to the ones that were there. We went out to the Alford Cemetery and we um, visited her father's grave. It would have been the anniversary, or if you want to put it that way, of when he would have passed away some 22 years ago. And uh, so we went out there, we cleaned the stuff off the grave, the weeds that were coming over top of it, ripped out the grass. I didn't help, but I watched. But in the meantime, I was out there looking at all these other grave, graves out there, and I was like, who's afraid? I don't know who these people are, but there are literally hundreds of them out there. And you know, when I get in a, in a circumstance like that, I'm like, Where? Where in eternity? There's hundreds of people out here. And someday, they are going to come out of those graves. And, um, you know, it's, it's foretold what's going to happen. And my little boy, there were some, there were some graves that were covered in concrete. And he goes, and I, and I just mentioned, I said, someday, I said, these graves are going to open up. And they're going to come. People are going to come out. The sea is going to give up the dead. They're going to come out of these graveyards. It don't matter. I mean, there's there's people who scatter the ashes across the hills and the vales and the valleys, and they're going to come alive. 
And how that's all going to look, I don't know. I have no clue. But I know one thing, that the graves are going to be opened up. And my little boy said, well, what about these ones that are concreted in? How are they going to get out of there? And I just told him, I said, just trust me. God will open the grave. It's going to happen. So I titled this little pre-message saying, is the road you're on leading you home safely? So the road you are on today, the tracks that you are riding on today, are they going to lead you home safely? The, the boat that you're riding on, the boat that you're sailing on, will it lead you home safely? And will it get you there safely? Now, what happened in April 12th of 1912? Can somebody tell me? Anybody? Titanic. Titanic. The unsinkable, I was going to call it an unsinkable train, but un unsinkable ship, the Titanic, sank. And we have this book at home, and a little, little pamphlet, a little book I read. So I dug it back out this morning to re-brush um, myself up and everything that happened. And there was a prophecy told about that, that book, about, about, this, about this Titanic, unbeknownst to anybody. But in 1898, 14 years before, an American writer, and this is what is in that book, an American writer, 14 years prior to the sinking of the unsinkable Titanic, by the guy named Morgan Robertson. And he wrote a book called The Wreck of the Titan. Titan, T-I-T-A-N, okay? And in this book, he, um, he, he uh, in, this, in this book he wrote, it was just a, a fictionist book or a whatever, it was a pet, and he wrote about a passenger ship that was almost identical to the Titanic. And he also, in this book, he labeled it the unsinkable. And in this book, this all happened 14 years before. In this book, in this story that I was reading, this Titan ship, this unsinkable ship, sailed from England to New York. Exactly where the Titanic was. And the people on this ship, he had... The rich and the famous were above this, uh, aboard this ship, and the Titan hits an iceberg in the North Atlantic and sinks. This is all 14 years before. And he also had written in this book, there aren't enough lifeboats, and many were going to be lost. The story of the Titan predicted exactly what happened to the Titanic 14 years later. When this Titanic sank... They had two young men who were running the radios. How many warnings do you think they had about this iceberg? Does anybody know? How many warnings? They just have one. They had seven warnings that there was icebergs ahead. The last warning came from the ship California, and the and the, these guys were sailing full bore ahead. They were steaming toward New York, and, this, and uh, they were just a few, weren't very far away from these icebergs, and in blasted this, um, this radio call, the final call, that there's icebergs ahead, there's huge icebergs ahead, and the response of the radio guy, he said, he said, these, he said this sentence, he said, shut up, shut up, I'm busy. Now, you say, where are you going with all this? Okay, fasten your seatbelt. We have a book here that is prophetic to the T. It has all the prophetic we need, and it has warning after warning. Someday, King Jesus is going to return. And we have, there is a terrible day coming for the unbeliever, for the non-Christian. But it's going to be a glorious day. For the Christian and one who um, is looking for. And you know, I, as I read this, what the radio guy was saying, he says, shut up, shut up, I'm, I'm busy. You know, that's exactly 
When you go witnessing, that's exactly what people say. We're busy another day. You know, it's Satan's lie that he is trying to tell people, I'm busy, I don't have time, another day. And you know, there's masses amount of people that are buying into his program and saying another day, another day. And I am here to try to convince you today that God's word is sure. We're going to talk about God's word, the authority of God's word. And, um, you know, we're going, to re- we're going to do some reading today. I am, um, I was all, <clears throat> I was all the, uh, like, um, you know, we, we, let me back up a little bit. We, um, you know, Brother Jeremy, he did four weeks of teaching on why we do, why we're not, not, why we're non-resistance, why we do the things we do. I very much appreciated his, his, uh, his, uh, dialogue on that his her, his four sermons on that it was just like it was just like we need to hear those things those that kind of teaching and there's amazing sermons that came across this pulpit across this speaker and uh, I thought today I'm just going to simply read some scripture to you is that okay because the only important thing that I have is what is when, what is in God's word so I'm going to read multiple chapters to you, and then I'm going to, I want to turn over and I want to uh, and talk about God's Word, our authority in God's Word. I'm, I'm really going to run out of time, but that's okay. And uh, So let's start with this Bible reading in Daniel 12. Let's turn to Daniel 12. I uh, enjoy, I enjoy um, prophecy. I am not a. I am not one who understands prophecy. I'm trying to learn. There's a lot of details I don't know, but there's something about the Book of Daniel, Ezekiel, Revelation. As you all well know here, I love Revelation. There's a lot that I don't understand about Revelation. It's to me. I hear you know. I don't care how it all works out. If you're a Christian here this morning, let it happen. Bring it on. Let it happen. And. Um, you know, but for the unbeliever, it's, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of frightening things. You know, you hear what's going on in the world today. You know, the, the, the war in Ukraine, what Russia said, what is the leader of Russia is saying, you know, um, is this the start of World War III? That's already been put out there. Um, one world money, uh, the reset of the financial, financial system, and all these ha- things happen are happening that are shaking people. And when I hear all that, the first thing I think of is, let it happen. And I listened to some prophecy speakers. And he said a verse, last Sunday I was listening to some, and he said, and he gave me a verse, and he gave a verse out of, out of Revelation 17, 17. And I'm just going to quickly read that verse to you. And then, and it just really like, wow, this is exactly this just came to me right now. So it's taken out of Revelation 17:17, 17, 17. and it says like this: All these things that are happening around about us, and you know, we get concerned. We have some um, valid concerns, but you know, if we can just rest, it says, "For God hath put in their hearts to fulfill His will, and to agree, and to agree, and give their kingdom unto the beasts." Until the words of God shall be fulfilled. It's God ultimately behind it all. Okay, Daniel 12. Let's read. And just try to identify with Daniel here. And at that time shall Daniel stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation. Even to that same time. And at the time thy people shall be delivered. Every one that shall be found written in the book. And many, many of them that sleep unto, in, in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that shall be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, o Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. We are here today. And I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, one on this side of the bank of the river, 
and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And the one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he upheld his right hand, his left hand, unto heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times and a half. And when it, he shall be, when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And when I heard, but I understood not, then I then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go thy way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. But thou, but go thou thy way till the time, till the end be. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. It reads like this. Let's just read the first of three verses. And a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto him unto his servants, which shortly must come to pass. And he sent and signified it by his angels unto his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. And verse three is this is what I want you to get. Blessed is he that readeth. And they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. That's why we're going to read it this morning. Okay, let's flip over to Revelation 5. Let's read verses 1 through 14. And I saw the right hand of him and sat on the throne. A book written, a book written there within, on the back side, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a young angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof? And no man in heaven nor on earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no people was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion, the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns, seven eyes, which were the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he took, and he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. So when we're reading this, you try to visualize in your mind what this looks like, okay? Uh, where were we at? Uh, verse 8, thank you. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and... Redeemed us to the God by thy blood out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation. And hast made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands and thousands, thousands of thousands. Saying... With a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb which was slain to receive power and riches 
and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, such as are in the sea and all that are in them, heard I saying, Blessing, honor, glory, power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. Revelation 21. <clears throat> and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven, out from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself, God himself shall be with them, and be their God. Get that. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death. There, neither sorrow or crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. But the fearful, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the whoremongers, the sorcerers, the adulterers, and all liars shall have their part in a lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vows full of seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come up hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God and having the glory of God. And her light was like a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And I had a great wall high, had seven, had twelve gates and at the twelve gates, and at the gates, twelve angels and the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the, on the east, three gates. On the north, north, three gates. On the south, three gates. On the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations, and in them the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city, and the gates thereof, and the wall thereof. And the city lies four square, is as large as breadth. It is, and he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. And the length, and the breadth, and the height of it are equal. And he measured the wall thereof, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. That is, of, an, of the angel. And the building of the wall is as as was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like unto glass. And the foundations of the wall of the cities were garnished with all manner of precious stones. Let's go down to 21. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every gate was of one pearl. And the street of that city was pure gold as it was transparent glass. And I heard, and I saw no temple therein. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine upon it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth did bring glory and honor into it. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, and there shall be no night there. 
And they that, and they shall bring glory and honor of the nations into it. And there shall be in no wise enter into it anything that defileth neither whatsoever worketh abomination and maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of it, on either side of the river, and there was no, there was a tree of life, which bare twelve manners of fruit, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were the healing of the nations. I'm about a breath. <coughs> and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God. And the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they, and they need no candle, for neither the light of the sun, for the God, Lord God giveth them light, and, he, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, these, say, these sayings are faithful and true. The Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which shortly must be done. The words of Jesus, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I had heard and seen, I fell down and worshipped before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. And then saith he unto me, See thou do it not, for I am worthy... Thank you. <clears throat> for I am, I am thy fellow servant of thy brethren, the prophets of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him unjust be still. He which is filthy, let him be filthy still. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. The words of Jesus, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according to his, to his work shall be. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do His commandments. Get this. Blessed are they that do His commandments, and they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter in the gates into the city. Without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and adulterers and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. And I, Jesus, have sent an angel to testify unto you these things in, in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth come and let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. And I test for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophet. Of the prophecy of this book. Ah, if any man, get this, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues which are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city from the things which are written in this book. And he that which testifies these sayings, Jesus said, Surely I come quickly, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. And the last word of this prophecy, the grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Amen. What more is there to say? What more is there to say? As I read this, I feel so small. What it's really going to be like. Okay. We got 25 minutes. Now I would like to continue on with God's word this morning. Let's turn to 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1. I'm just going to quickly try to get through this. I'm just going to quickly read down through my scratches, my piece of paper. But I would like to read this in 1 Peter 3. Or, sorry, 1 Peter 1, 
verses 23 and 25, 2 through 25. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abides forever. For all flesh is grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which is by the gospel is preached unto you. So I'm here to this morning to tell you that the words that I just read out of Revelation and Daniel and these other words, they are going to endure forever through all the ages of time. For the sake of time, I'm just going to quickly read down through some of these things. And we're going to look up some more verses if we have time. As Christians, we are, we, He has put us into His kingdom. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are not to be slaves of this world, the devil, and, and, and uh, the flesh. But we are supposed to be servants to God. We are supposed to be working in His kingdom. We are to be reigning in the life, in, in this life, in authority. But get this, you know, and there's a lot of things I don't understand. I, I'm going to freely admit to you, when I first started... Um, Come to this church and and trying to understand authority and how it all works. You know, a lot, you know, a lot of us, our flesh retaliates from authority because we want to be an authority unto ourselves. But I have this written here, and I think the Bible, I believe the Bible teaches this <clears throat> to have spiritual authority. In order to have to have authority, we must submit ourselves to authority. In order to have authority, we must submit ourselves to authority. You know, sometimes the authority over us tells us things that we don't like to hear. And I'm not saying, and I'm not saying, if if our authorities are asking us to do things that are wrong, or if, because God's authority will never lead us astray, but. <clears throat> You know, there are times when maybe our authorities are asking us to do something that's wrong. And I'm, I'm just saying we can make an appeal. You know, like our brother so adequately told us or taught us in the last several weeks here. We can never be over those things that God wants us to be over until we are under those things which he has set over us. God did not give us authority. God did not give his authority to rebels. If I have a rebellious spirit and rebel against authority that God has set over me, God will not give kingdom authority to, my, to me. And I want to be in a place where God, where I will have spiritual authority and that God can give it to me. First of all, I have to submit myself to God's authority. Okay, the first one. I have a few things here. The authority of God's word. When you have a king that is supreme, what is his word? When you have a king that is supreme. So who's our king this morning? So I want some feedback. So who's our king this morning? Which Christians? Who's our king? Jesus. Jesus. And so when we have, when, when, when he, our king is supreme, then what he tells us, what does that make it? it yeah. It makes his word supreme, right? So if our king is supreme, then what he is going to tell us, just like what we read here this morning, is supreme, right? We need to follow it. If we're going to end up, if we're on, this, on these rails sailing toward home, then we need, to, we need to do what he says so we can arrive properly. I was going to tell you two stories, but we're... <laughs> The Bible is God's word. There are some who despise the Bible. They hate Christians, the Bible, the church, and ultimately Christ themselves. There are those who deny the Bible. They do not accept it as God's word. There are those who distort the Bible. They claim they believe it, but they twist it and lead many astray. There are those who disregard the Bible. <clears throat> and you know, this whole thing of disregard, this comes right down close to home. Okay? So many times... Even churchgoers, like people that hear, so to speak. I trust this is not the case here, but it can be. This is just a warning flag. That even the church crowd, 
from which comes the greatest danger. It comes by disregard. We say we believe it, but do we? We claim we believe the Bible, but sometimes we know very little about it. You know, there was a day in my life I couldn't have told you. I couldn't hardly. I couldn't even tell you how the the from Genesis to Revelation. I could not tell you the books of the Bible in order. You know, I would like where's this book found? And uh, you know, one time I remember years ago we were. This was before we had children. I was asked to teach in a summer Bible school. And uh, I don't know why, but one of my assignments was due to teach these children the books of the Bible. I'm like, hold it. I don't even know myself. So I proceeded to, <laughs> proceeded to put my thought process in action and learn the books of the Bible in order. Okay, at least know which one's in the Old Testament and which one's in the New Testament. Okay? <clears throat> Many have done very little to understand it. I want to understand the Bible. There's a lot of things we read this morning. I don't understand. I don't know what it's going to look like. I listen to these pe- different people, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I just want to be ready. I just want to, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. How is this going to look for me? How is it going to look for my family? How is it going to look for my church? Are we going to be there? Are we on the right set of rails that will lead us safely home? <clears throat> the Bible must be God's word to us. Let's turn to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3. Verse 16. And it reads like this. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable doctrine for reproof, correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly finished unto all good works. The Word of God is truth. Um, the truth of God did, did not inspire error. Inspire error. So in Proverbs 5.30, it says, Every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. <clears throat> and God, um, God has given the Bible to, to us by, him, by Himself. God has inspired men, mankind to be penmen and moved by the Holy Spirit. And if we look at... Um, 2 Peter 1, 2. Let's take a quick peek at that. If I can find it here. And 2 Peter 1, chapter, I mean, verse 21. For the prophecy came not in old, to- in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So God used just normal people like you and I here this morning, and you know He had them write down what He wanted written down. Isn't that beautiful? You know, God uses people like you and I, and sometimes we get this thought process. Well, you know, they had to be somebody special, but you know, they were they were people with baggage and they had problems, just like you and I. But God moved them by His Holy Spirit, and you know, there are, uh, there's there's many things that how God can use. There's uh, similarities between Jesus and the Bible. Galatians 4.4 4 says that God sent forth His Son. Both will endure forever. 1 Peter 1.25 says the Word of the Lord endures forever. We're not going to change it. Both are unchanging. Taken out of, taken out of Hebrews 13.8. Matthew, 5, Matthew um, 5.18. Look them up. For the sake of time, we're not going to look, look them up. Both are lights in a dark world. John 8.12. Let's look at that one. Let's um, look up some of these. John eight twelve, and it says like this: Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, "I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, and shall have the light of life." So they're both light. The Word of God, Jesus Himself, they're both lights. Both are truth. In John seventeen seven, it says that the Word is truth. God's Word is truth to us. And, uh, you know, many times we wonder, what, was it to, what does the Bible say? You know, and, you know, we can always go back to the Bible and God will never contradict his word. And so it's very important that God's word um, holds value in our life and that we walk according to what God said, regardless what man does, regardless what people say. God's word is truth and it's going to stand. <clears throat> in John fourteen fourteen, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the light. 
And let's look at the incontestable word of God. Um, has incredible power. Hebrews 4.12. We should all know that one, but I'm going to read it. And that way we will know. In Hebrews 4.12, it says this. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged, any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow. It is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. It's God's word. That's what it says. You know, we read a lot of books. Some people, more than others. I don't read a lot. I like to read, but it's got to be meat and potatoes. But you know what? This book reads me. You know, you read books, but this book reads me. Reads you. This book has life. It has power. You know, why is this book hated so much? Why? Because those evil men know that this book changes people. Why does it change people? You know why? Because the author gives life and power. <clears throat> it cannot be tainted or blemished of, of any corruption. It will remain that way. It don't, it don't matter what mankind does to this book. It's not going to change it. It's not going to change it. Isn't that so beautiful? Passed down through the ages. And, it, and, it, and regardless of what mankind has tried to do. Back in, uh, I think, about 300, there was a man that said, a king, you know, high and mighty. He says, I'm going to obliviate the Bible. We're done with it. It's an old book. We're done. You know what? Guess what? We're sitting here July, June 26, 2022. And we're reading God's word. Did he get rid of it? No. He's in a grave. Nobody knows who he is. He's done. And now, he's someday, he's going to bow the knee before God. <clears throat> Atheists have railed against it. Agnostics have tried to dismiss it. Liberals have tried to remove its miracles. Materialists, materialists have tried to have ignored it. Radicals and false cults have twisted it, and yet does it change God's Word? God's Word is still God's Word. The Bible is indestructible, is the indestructible Word of God. In 1 Peter 1.3 it says, it lives and abides forever. It's not the book of the year, it's the book of the ages. It's the book of the ages. It was written over a period of how many years? Someone want to guess? That's right. It was written over a span of 1,500 years. How many generations do you think that... And it spans over how many generations of world history? About 30. Now, some of these statistics I've found. It's about 30 years of generation of, this, of world history. And the writers died probably two to 3,000 years ago. Now, these are some statistics I had. But it is the most, most widely circulated book in the world, the Bible. And I um, got a uh, Bibles for Asia, uh, Asia Harvest uh, deal some time ago. And, and I was reading it, and they were just begging for funds. They weren't really begging. They were just asking for funds for more Bibles. They had people who want God's Word. You know why? Because it changes people. It changes them for time and eternity. And so this collusion to this message, then I'm going to tell you these two stories I forgot. It says, and I wrote down this, when I get into under the Word, we have incredible authority. You know, authority over the evils of this world. In Hebrews 4.12, 4, we already read that. It says that God's word is quick and powerful. Let's turn to Jeremiah. Let's see what the old patriarch of old had to tell us. In Jeremiah 5.12, it says like this. Sorry, verse 14. 
Wherefore, thus saith the Lord of God of hosts, because ye speak his word, behold, I will make my words in thy mouth fire and this people would. Now, you have to read the whole chapter so you understand what's going on here. And it shall devour them. It's going to be powerful. The things that this prophet was supposed to say is going to be powerful. Let's go to Jeremiah. Let's go to another text in Jeremiah 23, verse 29. This says, Is not my word like a, as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? He's asking these questions. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words. What do we talk about? You know these people who try to twist it? That steal my words, every one from his neighbor. And my challenge here to this today is, let's not apologize for what God said but preach the word. It has the power to rip through the lies of the devil, the lies of the enemy. Satan came against Jesus, taken from Matthew 4. Let's look at Matthew 4. And you will see there very quickly in Matthew 4. And uh, <clears throat> in the wilderness there. And, you know, Satan, he came up with all these wonderful things that, you know, Jesus, if you basically what he wanted, he wanted he wanted Jesus to just give him a little bit of worship. But Jesus, he wasn't he wasn't going to be moved by all these wonderful things. You know, you look out there, this can be all yours. But you know what? You give me some worship. And Jesus did not come against him <clears throat> with emotion or reasoning or threats. But this is what, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, and this is all Jesus said. And he answered and said, it is written. So he came across, he came to, against the enemy like this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but, out, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And in verse 7, he came against him again. It is not written. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And again, the devil taketh him up into exceedingly high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. You know, I don't even know why the devil is doing this. Because Jesus said, you know, guess what? I made all this anyway. So what does the matter? And saith unto him, all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, get thee head Satan, for it is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou worship, serve. Then the devil leaveth, leaveth him, and behold, the angels came and ministered to him. You know, that must have been a beautiful sight. When we stand on the word of God, Satan will flee. In James 4, let's turn to James 4. In James 4, chapter, or chapter 4. Verse 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Thank you. Romans, let's turn to Romans. In Romans chapter 10, 9 through 13, and it says it like this. If thou shalt confess the Lord, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus... And shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. And with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. And for the same Lord over all is rich unto, is rich unto all. That call upon him. Verse 13. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Those are just beautiful words for, for the hungry soul, for the Christian. And you know when Satan comes strong against this, there is not enough of time to tell you these two stories I was going to tell you in my pre-sermon. I knew I was missing something. And I should have just read down my notes a little bit further. But you come. My time is up. I have five minutes. You don't care? Keep going. Okay. So our instructor, Ted, keep going. So... We go over time right here. <coughs> Did you get a second on that? You don't care. Okay, there you go. 
So, okay. So we talked about the Titanic. And so I talked about, you know, um, the ship that you are sailing on, your ship. Is it going to lead you safely home? And so this past week, and I don't know how I found all this, but I, um, I came across, and I knew this. I, I watched it a long time ago, too. I was on YouTube, and um, I'm kind of into trains and planes. And so I uh, came across this, this little YouTube clip of this train accident. And this is down south in San Bruno, California, and there's a down this mountain path, down this mountain pass, it's 2%. So 2% isn't very much of a grade, okay? So if I drew a line at 2%, it's probably not very steep, okay? It's pretty flat. <clears throat> but this train, they were loaded with, I don't know, a whole train load of hopper cars hauling whatever this product, he said what it was, I don't know, some kind of agriculture, I think it was agriculture product. And so I learned something. So down this mountainside, um, they have to calculate how much weight they have on this train, how much we're packing, how much weight we're packing. Do we have enough engines to hold this thing back? Is there enough of braking force? And so when this train engineer, he had to submit his paperwork and said, and he noticed the guy sitting behind the desk, he noticed that he had one blank that was not filled out. And in this piece of paper, on this load sheet, he's supposed to have how much weight was in here, in, in, on this train that they were packing down this mountainside, okay? So he's like, he yelled at the guy, and he was already gone, so he's like, well, I'll just do it myself. So he just goes out there and says, oh, we got XYZ amount of weight on this train, which he way underestimated. And um, he was like, I don't think he was 50% off, he was, I think he was a third off. Well, you take 110 cars, or however many cars are on this train. I'm going somewhere with all this, so just be patient. Um, they started down this mountainside. I think they had five engines on this thing to hold this train back. Okay? Well, they started, and they were only allowed, the, the max, um, max um, mile per hour they were allowed to go down this, train, the, down this track was 29 miles per hour. That was max. And uh, But the engineers said, we're going to have a safety buffer in there. We'll keep her back at 25, okay? And so um, they started down this hill, and uh, this train started going. And this happened back in 89. This train started going faster and faster. You can see the, the, the mile per hour. And the reason is because down in San Bernardo, as they were going down this mountain thing, there was a curve at the bottom of the track. So, um, this train reached over 100 mile an hour <laughs> trying to go down this mountain, trying to hold back, and the wheels on this train got so hot, and these, these huge massive axles with these big steel wheels that are like pressed on these axles, which I kind of get all this, okay? So for sake of a... Um, you ladies that don't quite understand all this. So these wheels are all pressed fit, but these wheels got so hot that the wheels just fell off the train. So when I say the wheels fell off the train from time to time, it literally happens. All I'm saying with all this, but when they went around the curve, these engineers, they just braced themselves for the fall. And I mean the train just like poof, off the track, just wiped, just wiped off the houses. I mean, it was just a horrendous accident. All I'm saying in this story is... Are you going to get safely home? The road you're on this morning, is it going to get you safely home? The road that they were on did not get them there. The things, the things you allow into your life, what are going to be the end result? What is going to be the repercussions of saying your train is way overloaded to capacity and you're trying to go down this mountain track and you're hanging on for dear life? Okay? But what's next? What happens when you're on the wrong track going the wrong way? Hang on. Back in 1986, up in Canada, Alberta, there was a train. There was a, there was a, there was a, 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 a passenger train. And you know, like out here on the track, you have these sidings. And there's a train just chugging along off the siding of the, on the side of the, and all of a sudden another train, boom, 
You know, there's a reason why they pull off. So it allows the other train to go past. So you know what this guy did? Okay, how many of you remember the caboose? When they pulled cabooses? Not very many of you. But one of, the, one of the things that in the caboose, the guy in the caboose was supposed to, if he did not stop when he, he was supposed to pull the switch, and it would bring that train down to its knees and stop. Okay? Well, this, this guy riding in the train, you, you see them the things on the train track, you know, they have the lights. Well, there was three red lights all in a row, and that means, like, stop, like, now. And this caboose driver, he was yelling on the radio, trying to tell us, like, what is going on up there? Like, he's, like, way in the back. And he didn't stop. The train just kept on. Like, why didn't he pull the cord? Stop this machine. And, you know, he was on a track, and I'll draw this a little bit. So here's your track. And there's a passenger, tra there's a passenger train coming this way. There's a big old freight train going that way. He was a grain hauler. And there was a siding that went like this. Well, this grain hauler was supposed to go, when he seen this, he was supposed to go up in here and set and then leave this passion train on by. Well, this freight guy, he either fell asleep at the wheel, they're not exactly sure what happened, but the poor guy in the caboose. Like, what is wrong with these two engineers up front? He didn't pull off the siding like he was supposed to. He bypassed all the, the signs on the highways and the byways of life. Uh, I'm just going to spiritualize this a little bit. You know, we bypass what is written in this book. We think it don't matter. We think it's okay when it's really not. You know? And we're on this track right here. We're just hammered down, right? And this, this freight train, they estimated he was going 60 miles an hour. And this, who knows how fast this freight, this cargo, this uh, personnel, this uh, passenger train was going. But, you know, it, it showed a little video clip. These people in this passenger train, oh man, they're having a good time and life's all good. And, and you know what? And, they, and one guy, you know, they had these, these windows where you could see out of the front of this train. And all of a sudden, this older guy, he all of a sudden seen this freight train straight ahead like, whoa. You know, they collided, and you should have seen the wreckage. I mean, it was, uh, your mind cannot, I could not wrap my mind around a freight truck. I mean, it tossed these freight, these, these grain hauler, tr um, you see on the track out here, it just tossed them like, like toothpicks. All I'm saying in this whole story are you on the track that's going to lead you safely home? Are you going to collide with another train? Are you going to, are you going to wreck? Or are we going to take the warnings out of this book and take them seriously? That's all I'm saying. And many times we live in America. Life's good. You know, we're, we, don't, we don't know what it's like to live in a country where things are all in an upheaval like, like Ukraine. We don't know what that's like. But am I... Am I going to be one of those in the passenger car screaming, somebody help me? I mean, they had all this live footage going on. I mean, it was like pathetic. Like 23 people died in that deal. And you could hear these screams, help me. Well, very obviously, when this passenger train got hit, it just burst into fire. There was fire. There was smoke. There was, there was cars tossed all over the place. And it took... Almost an hour, 45 minutes to an hour for personnel to get there. You know, we live in a world today where people are screaming, please help me. And, you know, sometimes we see people, they do all these things. They say these things when they're really saying, please help me. But you know what? I miss those signals. So am I the guy where these three red lights are at and they're all red when somebody's saying, please help me. So I'm here this morning to tell you if I missed you. My apologies, because people sometimes cry out of their heart, out of the depths of their heart and say, I got a problem, but I don't know how to fix it. And they're and people that we meet in town or whoever they are, they're screaming for help. But I miss them because I'm asleep at the wheel. I'm the, I'm the freight train driver. 
I'm supposed to be pulling off to the side and meet with somebody. And yet, I got a job to do. I, I'm, I'm headed to Vancouver to get rid of load of my weight. My, I'm, I'm headed to Vancouver to get rid of my load of weight. And I got my foot in it, and we are focused regardless of what the signal is saying. You know, sometimes people put up signals like we just had. You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? You get what I'm saying? Okay, let's pray. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for that great love that you have for us today. It was your love who saved a wretch like me. It was your love who helps us stay on the right track. And it's your great love is the reason we love. And Lord, I just pray again this morning that we would love as you loved. Lord, we would love the unlovely. Because we were like that. And so, Lord, we just commit our ways to you. We thank you for this beautiful day. And God, I just thank you so much that you didn't give up on us, on me. But you still had your hand outstretched. And Father, I just pray that you would still see the hand that goes up to you. And they are screaming, please help me. But God, they don't know how to ask. They don't know what to ask. But you know. You know the signals. You see the signals. And the people that could be sitting in a pew here, they're asking for help. But I just pray we'd come to that fountain that flows from your throne. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.